This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, O Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Donald Trump spent the last few days watching TV. Probably. As a media savant, Trump is a legendary television viewer, forever keeping a finger on the pulse of the broader populace. But lately, his favorite channels don't represent what the rest of the world cares about. It cares about him. Trump is the main character yet again, just like he's been on and off for the past seven years. And this time, well, for good reason. On Saturday, Trump shook the political world by posting to his Truth Social platform that he would be arrested this week. It'd be in connection to money paid to Stephanie Clifford, better known as Stormy Daniels. So she would keep quiet about an alleged consensual sexual encounter at a Tahoe golf course in 2006. And since that announcement on Truth Social, he's posted a lot of TV clips. Mostly from Fox News. Radical New York prosecutors trying to take down Trump before 2024. Duh. Now, this apparent move toward indicting the former president... It's as predictable as a Biden stumble climbing the stairs of Air Force One. They decry Trump's treatment. The decision by the Manhattan District Attorney to possibly bring charges against him and quite possibly even the end of democracy. But television, see, unlike podcasting, is a visual medium and one built on tension. In this case, you can't imagine anything more compelling than the former president of the United States being escorted by Secret Service into a Manhattan courthouse and surrendering on charges. If his name were John Smith, Mellon Bragg would not be bringing this case. And so I think that's a real political problem. But what is this case? Why is it relevant now in 2023? And is it worthy of arresting a former president and current primary frontrunner? Are the actions of the Manhattan District Attorney a sign that no man is above the law? Or a politically motivated microwaving of a dead case reliant on a totally untrustworthy witness? There's only one way to find out. And listeners, don't change that dial. My name is Justin Robert Young, and this is Politics, 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 but first. Hey, I thought you were going to have lunch with James today. Don't get me started. He's being such a pain in the ass. We should try being nice. Things have been really hard for him. I know. It's just, he's suspicious all the time. Gee, I wonder why. You weren't complaining last night. (laughs) Hey, I'm going to have to call you back. That is Stephanie Clifford, a.k.a. Stormy Daniels, in her day job 
as an actress. She won Best New Starlet at the Adult Video News Awards in 2004 and entered into that organization's Hall of Fame in 2014. Ten years. Things move fast in the world of adult cinema. But it was in 2006 that Clifford runs across Donald Trump at a celebrity golf tournament in Lake Tahoe. At this point, Trump is a television celebrity, the host of The Apprentice franchise. And he dabbled in politics, but nothing serious. Clifford says that the two struck up a playful conversation, which at one point involved her spanking him with a rolled-up copy of Trump's own magazine. Trump floated the idea of Clifford being on Celebrity Apprentice. And after eating dinner in Trump's room and excusing herself to go to the bathroom, she says she returned to see Trump perched on the edge of the bed. And it was at that time that, according to Clifford, they allegedly had the sex. They stayed in touch. His celebrity apprentice spot was bandied about back and forth, but eventually didn't happen, and they lost touch about a year after the initial meeting. In 2011, Clifford says she tried to sell her story of having sex with Trump to In Touch magazine. That story was spiked. And Clifford says it happened after the magazine reached out to Trump for comment. And all of that is just some fun Ots era gossip until 2016. Sadly, the American dream is dead. But if I get elected president, I will bring it back bigger and better and stronger than ever before. And we will make America great again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Trump runs for president. He punches above his weight. He clears the GOP field. And it's now a back and forth battle with Hillary Clinton that involves leaked emails, Russians, an iconic live mic recording that ruins the career of Billy Bush. It's a pretty crazy story. I should tell you about it sometime. Amidst all of this, Clifford alleges that Trump's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, offered her $130,000 to not mention her sexual relationship with Donald Trump. Something that she takes him up on. Trump wins and all hell breaks loose. A stunned world is obsessed with what just happened. The biggest upset in presidential history, a squeaker of an election that creates a big bang of societal change. Harvey Weinstein, ruined. Forestry divisions, gone rogue. Louis C.K., celebrated as the new Woody Allen for making a movie about Woody Allen before being ruined. All of this, on some level, revolves around Trump. The dipstick of our society showing radically different levels of competence for our Western society to our various political tribes. But one thing is for sure. If you had a story to tell from the 2016 to 2018 time period, oh, it would get heard. And Clifford 
had a whopper. She emerges with a slick attorney looking to invalidate the NDA signed in 2016. This culminates in a 60 Minutes episode where she spills the beans to Anderson Cooper. And yet even this is a sideshow amidst the trade deals and the government shutdowns of the Trump administration until one more shoe drops. Michael Cohen, the personal Trump lawyer who allegedly arranged the NDA in the first place, turns on Trump. Let's take a real quick step back here. Michael Cohen came to Trump's side through, of all things, a condo board fight. Trump wanted control of the board, and Cohen, a get-it-done lawyer, helped. In 2006, Cohen became an employee of the Trump Organization, quote, Cohen in 2011, quote, if somebody does something Mr. Trump doesn't like, I do everything in my power to resolve it to Mr. Trump's benefit. If you do something wrong, I'm going to come at you, grab you by the neck, and I'm not going to let you go until I'm finished, end quote. That was until 2018. Cohen, at the time, was caught up in the Mueller investigation into Russian interference of the 2016 election. While he was largely found to have no connection with either Russia or Ukraine, authorities did find surreptitiously recorded tapes of Trump admitting that he knew about the hush money payments to Karen McDougal, a Playboy model who also alleges that she slept with Trump. This contradicted Trump's statements about both McDougal and Daniels, including this one that was given to the assembled White House press corps on Air Force One. President Trump today breaking his silence on Stormy Daniels. On Air Force One, the president offering a short but forceful denial about knowing anything about that $130,000 hush payment his personal attorney, Michael Cohen, paid to the porn star just days before the 2016 election. Did you know about officially surrenders to the FBI on August 21st, 2018. That afternoon, Cohen pled guilty to eight criminal charges, five counts of tax evasion, one count of making a false statement to a financial institution, one count of willfully causing an unlawful corporate contribution, and one count of making an excessive campaign contribution at the request of a candidate. It's only that last one that involves Trump. On December 12th, 2018, U.S. District Judge William P. Hawley III sentenced Cohen to three years in prison with a $50,000 fine. He additionally ordered Cohen to pay $1.4 million in restitution and to forfeit a half million. At his sentencing hearing, Cohen stated, I take full responsibility for each act that I pled guilty to, the personal ones to me and those involving the President of the United States of America. Cohen said Trump was, quote, the man that caused me to choose the path of darkness and do, quote, dirty deeds. Before passing sentence, Judge Pauly said, each of these crimes is a serious offense against the United States. Mr. Cohen pled guilty to a veritable smorgasbord of fraudulent conduct. He also pled guilty to lying to the House and Senate 
and then testified again to the House and Senate, this time against his former boss and at that time, current president of the United States. Now, the Manhattan District Attorney and New York Attorney General opened investigations into Trump around this time. The Manhattan District Attorney ultimately decided last year in 2022 not to pursue charges, in part because the then new DA, Alvin Bragg, worried that the case relied too much on Michael Cohen's testimony. However, they continue to speak to Cohen. And now we get reports that indeed they did assemble a grand jury. And indeed, indictments are forthcoming. We don't know the official charges yet because there have not been any official charges. But the most likely charge that we would see in this case is bookkeeping fraud. The New York Times has reported that the case may include a potential charge of falsifying business records under Article 125 of the New York Penal Law. A conviction for a felony version of bookkeeping fraud carries a sentence of up to four years. To prove that Mr. Trump committed this offense, prosecutors would need evidence showing that he knowingly caused subordinates to make a false entry in his company's records, quote, with intent to defraud. For the action to be a felony rather than a misdemeanor, prosecutors would also need to show that Mr. Trump falsified business records with the intention of committing, aiding, or concealing a second crime. But also, bookkeeping fraud has a two-year statute of limitations as a misdemeanor. It's got five years as a felony, both of which would have normally expired for the payments that Cohen made in 2016. Wait, hold on. Bookkeeping fraud? Bookkeeping fraud? And one where you have to squint to make sure it fits under the statute of limitations? That's going to be the first crime ever charged to a former president? Really? We take a look at the history of charging politician with election crimes and discuss a final witness for the grand jury that Donald Trump believes will blow up the entire procedure right after this. This is your news update brought to you by TakePoliticsSeriously.com. That is the way that you can support this very listener-supported show. $1 feed, that is $1 per week, gets you an ad-free feed of this show. The $3 feed gets you two bonus episodes each and every week, one on Monday morning, one on Thursday afternoon, and the $10 level gets you your name read at the end of each and every show. It's all at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. But now, your updates. Ron DeSantis has responded to MAGA World's 
chiding that he has not been more front and center in defending Donald Trump from the district attorney that we have been talking about. After getting pressure over the weekend, the Republican governor of Florida responded during a press conference to the prospect of Trump getting indicted by ripping Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. DeSantis called him a Soros DA, referencing the billionaire Democratic donor George Soros, but also made sure that he got in a little poke to Trump. Quote, I don't know what goes into paying hush money to a porn star to secure silence over some type of alleged affair. End quote. Donald Trump responded by saying that one day Ron DeSantis would know what it's like to be unfairly maligned and then unfairly maligned him as a possible gay pedophile. For the first time since the lockdown, spring break travel will surpass 2019 levels. This according to a forecast by the trade association Airlines for America. 158 million passengers are expected to travel to locations near and far during the holidays, as they were referred to on Arrested Development. And in economic news, the U.S. Federal Reserve begins on Tuesday, a two-day meeting with some top central bank watchers saying it could well pause further rate hikes given recent trouble among banks or even delay releasing new economic projections because our current outlook is so clouded. The Fed meeting concludes on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. And a release of the new policy statement is expected at 2.30. All eyes will be on Chairman Jerome Powell. And that is your update. TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you support this show. Our homespun little political machine. Thank you so much to all who do it. And now, back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now you know why Elizabeth is so amazing, right? I am such a lucky man to have the love of my life at my side. Both of us have been blessed with four extraordinary children. Wade, Kate, who you heard from, Emma Claire. That is John Edwards at the 2004 Democratic National Convention. He is accepting the nomination for vice president. The Elizabeth he mentions is his wife, Elizabeth Edwards. And spoiler alert for this story, He might not want to be too firm on the number of kids that he listed right after that. In October of 2007, the National Enquirer began a series of reports alleging an adulterous affair between John Edwards and a former campaign worker of his, Riel Hunter. 
By July 2008, several news media outlets speculated that Edwards' chances for the vice presidency, as well as other positions such as attorney general, were harmed by these allegations, which now included that he'd fathered a child with Hunter and had visited her and the baby girl at the Beverly Hilton Hotel in Beverly Hills, California. This story was not widely covered in the press for some time. After initially denying the allegations, Edwards did eventually admit this affair. On January 21st, 2010, John Edwards issued a press release to admit that he indeed fathered Hunter's child. An affair that, by the way, happened while his wife at the time was dying and then eventually did die of cancer. In an August 8, 2008 statement, in an interview with Bob Woodruff of ABC News, Edwards admitted his affair with Hunter, but denied being the father of the child. He acknowledged that he'd been dishonest in denying the entire Inquirer story, admitted that some of it was true, but said that the affair ended long before the time of that child's conception. Further said he was willing to take a paternity test, but Hunter responded that she would not be party to a test, neither now nor in the future. Initially, an Edwards campaign aide, Andrew Young, claimed that he, not Edwards, was the child's father. It doesn't help that Young had a running inside joke with the rest of the campaign about how he'd recently gotten a vasectomy. As it happens, Young later renounced that statement, instead alleging that Edwards always knew that he was the child's father and had pleaded with him to falsely accept responsibility. Young further claimed to have set up a private meeting between Edwards and Hunter and that Edwards once calmed an anxious Hunter by promising that after his wife died, he would marry her in a rooftop ceremony in New York with an appearance by her favorite, the Dave Matthews Band. Crash into me, indeed. Young maintains that Edwards asked him to, quote, get a doctor to fake DNA results and to steal a diaper from the baby so he could secretly do a DNA test to find out if it was indeed his child. On May 24, 2011, ABC News and the New York Times reported that the U.S. Ju- Department of Justice's Public Integrity Section conducted a two-year investigation into whether Edwards had used more than a million dollars in political donations. These are donations directly from uh, donors to his campaign to hide his affair and also revealed that they plan to pursue criminal charges for alleged violations of campaign finance law. On June 3rd, 2011, Edwards was indeed indicted by a federal grand jury in North Carolina on six felony charges, including four counts of collecting illegal campaign contributions, one count of conspiracy, and one count of making false statements. After postponing the start of the trial, while Edwards was treated for a heart condition in 2012, Judge Catherine Eagles of the U.S. District Court for the Middle District of North Carolina scheduled jury selection to begin in April. Edwards' trial began then, and he faced up to 30 years in prison and a $1.5 million fine. In a related development, on March 13, 2012, the Federal Election Commission ruled that Edwards' campaign must repay $2.1 million in matching federal funds. 
Edwards' lawyers claim that there was no water in the well. Money was used. And the campaign did not receive all the funds that it was entitled to to begin with. But the commission rejected their arguments, made him pay anyway. Twelve jurors and four alternates were seated. Opening arguments began April 23rd, 2012, and closing arguments happened in mid-May. But in May 31st, 2012, Edwards was found not guilty on count three, illegal use of campaign funding, while mistrials were declared on all the other counts against him. On June 13th, the Justice Department announced that it dropped charges and would not try to retry John Edwards. Now, I give you that context just to show you another example of a similar situation. Although, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that this was a more direct situation. It was not Edwards pulling from his personal funds or the funds of a business. It was pulling from other donors, the same people that funded his campaign. And there's no doubt that he is the father of Riel Hunter's child. That makes the sex part a little bit easier to prove when a baby happens afterward. However, if you were going to look at that, the Edwards situation, which were federal crimes and had a lot stiffer penalties than the bookkeeping charge that Trump would theoretically be charged with, Edwards still beat it. And the Justice Department really took a black eye on that one because a lot of legal folks said that they overcharged, they overshot. They wanted to prove that they could enforce federal election law. And in their overzealousness, they let somebody go because these things are hard to prove. And I think with Trump, it's going to be really, really, really hard to prove. As I record this on Wednesday, March 21st, the Daily Mail is reporting that Trump will indeed be indicted Wednesday, March 22nd, and that there will be an arraignment scheduled in New York City next week. But if that does happen, it would be because the grand jury recommended charges after one final witness testified. Monday of this week, Robert Costello. Costello was a lawyer who had a falling out with Michael Cohen and is said to have information raising questions into the credibility of Cohen, the key witness in this case. Costello's testimony is expected to give the former president an indirect opportunity to make his case that he should not face criminal charges, though. As of right now, there are no clear signs that his appearance has changed the course of the grand jury probe. But don't tell that to Trump, though. Here is his comment about Costello's testimony on Truth Social. It is being said that disbarred lawyer Michael Cohen was put out to dry today after his highly respected former attorney and legal advisor, Robert Costello, made a great impression not only on the DA's office, but the grand jury itself. He is known to be a great lawyer and highly honorable man. He stated to the media that he could no longer listen to the lies that Cohen was spreading. He told the truth with papers, documents, and backup. He left zero doubt. The DR will do the right thing. Regardless of what you think about this, and personally, 
Oh boy, I think trying to indict a former president and current candidate on a bookkeeping charge when it is totally reliant on Michael Cohen as your star witness is a bit of a gamble. <laughs> Especially when the federal government and the New York Attorney General and the former district attorney of Manhattan all looked at that case and said, no, thank you. I do think that this is political. I don't think that if Donald Trump were somebody else that this would be brought. And before you send your emails, yes, there are other cases. And yes, they have more teeth, specifically the one in Georgia when it comes to Donald Trump. We'll talk about those when we get to them. I wanted to spend some time on this one today, mostly because I was very, very frustrated with the coverage of this. Not only because we just sort of have fallen into this shorthand of hush money to porn star and Trump admitted or Trump said this, we haven't really taken a look at this charge. And I do think that the more you look at this charge, the more that the story after this arraignment should it happen is going to be, yipes, this, this is what you wanted to go on? Because I don't believe that it's likely Trump's going to be convicted for it. And if you don't believe in your soul as the district attorney that you can get a conviction on, well, anything you bring charges for, let alone a former president and current candidate, well, you know, in this barking dog on the Internet's worldview, maybe you should think twice about it. But we're going to have to leave this one on a cliffhanger. Will Trump be indicted? Will the case go forward? Is the Manhattan DA seriously going to pin a bookkeeping charge to the credibility of Michael Cohen? Tune in next time to find out. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. If you'd like to email the program, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. And we want you to keep doing that. We've got some great impassioned pitches for our fake president's bracket. I'm just going to say this. If you're a West Wing fan, the most potent email that we have received and I'm going to present these arguments to our guest judge this week the most potent email that we got was not even for Jed Bartlett's opponent it was just Jed Bartlett oppo <laughs> it was just a destruction of Jed Bartlett so if, if you are a West Wing fan and you want to see Jed go all the way Send in your emails, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. You can find the show on Twitter at px3tweets. You can find me on Twitter at Justin R. Young. You can find me live on the internet on Twitch, px3live.com. You can share this podcast with your friends, family, and clergy, px3podcast.com. If you enjoy this brand of journalism, this brand of podcasting, this brand of opinion making, this brand of contextualization. 
And I got to say, I really enjoyed making this episode because I, I don't want to just remake the point I just made. I, I do think that context and information on this beyond just the shorthand is important. And, and I haven't heard anybody else talking about the John Edwards stuff. But when you look at that case and you're like, wow, they couldn't even make that stick. And that was the Department of Justice. I don't know. I don't know. If you'd like to support us with a one-time donation, it is paypal.me slash payjury. Venmo is justin-young-20. Cash app is px3cash. And you can send me anything that you'd like in the mail. P.O. Box 1531-84, Austin, Texas, 78715. Got a lovely birthday card in the mail uh, this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Lucas who sent it. P.O. Box 1531-84, Austin, Texas, 78715. Of course, you can... Only get our bonus content at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Our $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule. And our $10 tier gets your name read at the end of the podcast like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. Dustin, Jason, Andres, Matt, John Gross. C. Garcia, El Basso, John, Craig Potts, MC Dradio, Unsafe DB Levels, Katie, Amanda, Yield Pinball Shop, DP4 Bongo, Neemeister, Catherine, Todd, and Vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, Select Start, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100 Mile Runner, Idris Arslandian, Blue Front and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Molly's Dashing Debut, Miranda Janelle, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul is awesome. Brad, Richard, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike who loves Frank Got Abducted. Utah, Jimmy Montana, the Gen, A-L-D-L-D-L-D, really? Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua, you want your name read on that. Well, gang, only place that you can do it is TakePoliticsSeriously.com. That is going to be it for us today on the next edition of this program that will come out on our regular feed, our free feed. You can uh, see our special guest, Brian Brushwood. It's going to be Brian Brushwood. Uh, uh, We are going to go through all of our fake president's brackets James Marshall from Air Force One versus Thomas J. Whitmore of Independence Day. That's our foreign policy bracket. We have our stirring optimism bracket. Jed Bartlett from the West Wing versus Dave Kovich from Dave. We have our no holds barred bracket. Frank Underwood from House of Cards versus Jack Stanton, the Bill Clinton character from Primary Colors. And then there is the apocalypse bracket. Tom Beck of Deep Impact. That's Morgan Freeman and Merkin Muffley of Dr. Strangelove. Uh, A reminder, no voting on that. We are relying on you guys. We're not doing this for cheap social media engagement. No, I've always, that serves social media. That doesn't serve you, the listener. What serves you, the listener, is showcasing awesome and hilarious emails from everybody who wants to big up their favorite fake president. We've already gotten some great ones. I'm going to present them to Brian and that'll be Friday's episode as well as whatever news that we have as of tomorrow or or 
today as you're hearing this on Wednesday about anything. The rate hikes, Trump, whatever it may be, we will cram that into that episode as well. But till next time, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young saying, some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.